Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Calgary Bros Football Podcast. This is Uncle CB here. There is no Victor Speck. In fact, there's nobody who is going to be uh, working with me on this show today. This is just my voice, and you guys are going to be listening to uh, the sound of my voice throughout the show. Um, we also may do a part two of this just to get Victor's thoughts uh, later on. Victor had a very late night. Um, he had to coach. And he had to run. He, he just didn't have enough time. And he has work very early in the morning. So he doesn't really have a lot of time to jump into the show. So it's just me that's going to be running the show for today. Uh, so hopefully uh, we can run a part two and we can tag on part two and get some of his thoughts. Because the first round of fixtures are done. Uh, or not first round, sorry. Second match day is done for all teams. And man, what... <laughs> what um, what an intense uh, tournament so far this has been. Uh, so we'll, we'll get right into it. So first of all, we'll be covering kind of the big, big uh, topic out of the bat. Uh, we'll be covering Canada's big loss to Croatian side. Um, after that, we will jump over to uh, some of the other key big games that happened um, some of them we may not cover because uh, Victor isn't here, but I'll touch on that real quick. Um, and then also we'll chat, we'll chat about Africa's renaissance. Uh, seems like Africa has seemed to find its own teeth in this tournament uh, is after the second match day. We'll cover all of those. Um, and then finally, uh, just general stuff on managers' mistakes. Seems like we've, we've caught a lot of manager mistakes so far this tournament. Um, and we'll spend some time discussing uh, those uh, key topics so let's get right into it uh, start off right off the bat and cover some of these key topics for all of you guys great so first uh thing we're going to be covering canada's loss uh and canada is out of the uh, fifa uh, world cup 2022 qatar uh, tournament um, unfortunately, it seems all the gingering, all the extra effort from John Herdman uh, to galvanize his squad and get them over to the next round, it seems like it's not going to be doable uh, this uh this World Cup. A bit disappointing, a bit disappointing considering all the fun things that we expected uh, from this team and the way this Canadian side had taken us through the qualifiers and finally getting us all the way here to this World Cup. Um, over over 30 years, 36 years since our last uh, time uh, in, the, in the FIFA World Cup and it just ends sort of on a sour note but i mean let's start off with some of the positives uh at the start of this game this game against croatia croatia won the game 4-1 but at the start of the game canada came right out of the blocks alfonso davis smashing in a goal uh from across um i wouldn't say smashing but i'll say more of a header uh from across from uh, buchanan and this was quite the quite the quite the start um i i can i can look back and look at what the canadian uh team did uh and i was just ecstatic i couldn't believe that at the start like we were gonna start off this <laughs> uh start off this um uh, uh match with such an early goal but i also think in a way that sort of worked against canada because we kind of scored that early goal and instead of us sort of like dipping in and uh, digging in our heels, we ended up just going a little bit wild and just trying to 
uh, push for another one. And that's fair. That's fair that we're trying to do that, but without quality. Now, prior to this game, one of the key things that I mentioned was the fact that this Croatian side is has one of the most experienced midfield trios that you could ever ask for with Modric, Brozovic, and Kovacic in, their, in the midfield tree. And the way these guys dominate possession, the way they control the game, the way that their experience uh, comes from this uh, type of affairs, these type of games, you just expected that, hey, yes, Canada scored early, but the tide will be turned over time. They've been here before so many times. They were composed. You didn't see any crazy aggression. You didn't see them upset at anything. They just managed the game. <laughs> and from before you knew it, boom, uh, it was, there, was, there, was, there was pressure. I wouldn't even say an equalizer just yet. There was a lot of pressure in this game from the Croatian side before Kramaric uh, woke up and uh, scored a 30, uh, at the 36th minute to, to give uh, Croatia the lead. Prior to, uh, he had one chalked off or offside. So the Croatians right away, as soon as the goal, the initial shock of that uh, uh, scoreline, of that score, they just woke up. It's like an awakening happened, and they were just ready to um, uh, outplay Canada throughout this match. Now, I was actually very, very impressed. I'm going to say this because I think that a lot of people uh, listen to me on these pods. And if you guys have listened to me past in the past, you would have thought that, hey, uh, this guy just doesn't like this Canadian team. I honestly was very, very impressed. And um, I want to give this team, this Canadian team is due. This, this Canadian team gave a lot of Canadians hope. Um, and brought a lot of excitement uh, to a country that is really not uh, a soccer or football sporting uh, country on its own. Um, we was just just recently in the last couple of years, three years, four years, that really that we started to show something of note at the grand stage. Uh, prior to, it really has been our women's team that. Uh, takes the stage. Soccer, soccer or football in Canada is dominated by by the ladies. The ladies are well, like there's there's a lot of programs that support them. They're well trained um, and uh, uh, you know well experienced in this uh, area or this uh, line of field when it comes to this sporting activity. So to see the men really take their foot. Um, and really uh, uh, push themselves and uh, what you call it, um, perform or even at least try to do something. It's it's amazing to see. But at the end of the day, it was a tall order for this team to 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 get to get anything out of this. I think one of, if any person had been following in some of my comments prior to this World Cup, I've I've always thought this was the group of death. And in the same vein, I also felt like Canada just did not have enough to get out of this group. Morocco, uh, Croatia, and Belgium, in my opinion, have that little bit more than a new inexperienced side coming into this World Cup could do. Now, I mean, anything can happen. Experience or inexperienced, anything can happen. 
But I just felt that Canada just didn't have enough in the tank when it comes to know-how or execution or um, uh, finishing the job or just just straight up just getting the results that are needed in any shape or form. The, the Canadian team just doesn't, didn't have that, doesn't have that uh, capability um, to, to do so. But it, be, before we even start getting into some of like, the key aspects and the key criticisms for this team, I just also want to give a shout out to John Herdman. John Herdman is a coach that I've criticized a lot in the past, but I wanted to give him his fair dues, man. This guy came into this to this to this team, a team bereft of confidence, uh, obviously no experience. Um, uh, what you call it? Uh, uh, a team that's youthful, like a lot of the kids uh, on this team, very young. So. You have a guy in John Herdman who's come into a squad like this and to be able to pull something off that no other coach has been able to do for, what, 30 years, 36 years? It's amazing. It's a freaking amazing job to see him do so. Um, and I know I know some people are like, wow, you know, um, you know, Benson is giving, giving John Herdman his, his dues and his yeah, throwing some respect his way. But I think we really have to. I really think we have to. Regardless of what happened, regardless of the 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 pain and the sadness and and when when the when the the what you call it, when the dust has settled and it did settle for me, when the dust settles, you say, you know what? Wow, we tried. And we give ourselves a good we gave a we gave a good account of ourselves. Yes, we didn't get the, the the results, but overall, I think a lot of people leave in this tournament thinking of Canada very fondly, and this sets us up very well going into 2026 uh, tournament coming up in four years that we're hosting. So overall, I'm very excited to see what that looks like. I'm excited to see what this Canadian team is going to bring. Um, and I'm super, super um, uh, proud of what the boys had done and given um, a small non-footballing uh, uh, nation hope uh, when it comes to football. Now, onto the game itself. The game itself, as I called it, I think some criticism needs to lie here with John Herdman. Yeah, John Herman was going into this game with two midfielders, Estakio and Achiba Hutchinson, against a midfield trio of Kovacic, um, uh, Modric, and uh, Brozovic. I, I keep saying this, and I, 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 don't, I, I mentioned this in a previous pod, that midfield has so much experience under his belt. All of them are technicians. The way they play football is lights out. Uh, compared to what you see from the other midfield, the only I think the only real comparison uh, in midfield is that of uh, either Brazil, Spain, um, maybe the French team. Those are those are the comparisons, or maybe even to an extent, and maybe not not fully, but maybe Dutch. But Dutch, I don't think has that midfield power that the Croatians have. So I thought it was a bit naive for John Herdman to go into this game with just about. Two midfielders, Achiba, who's about 39 years old. He's no spring chicken anymore. Um, and then you've got Estakio, uh, who is young, but I, I just he just doesn't have that extra little bit of, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, pizzazz or, or experience to, to, to disrupt the, the metronomic approach of the triple threat of that Croatian midfield. So 
Maybe I thought it was naive. I, I was I was kind of shocked when I saw that after Herdman came in saying, F Croatia, <laughs> we're going to make sure we, uh, uh, F Croatia, we're going to go out there and F Croatia, not that they needed any more motivation. Um, I, I was shocked that he didn't have a, a, a tricky or a cunning or canny uh, or uncanny strategy or plan to approach this game. It really surprised me. When I saw the lineup, I just I shook my head and I said, hey, I hope this thing works. Um, and I can sort of see what he was trying to do. Uh, uh, you know, pin pin their 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 uh, fullbacks defensively and get his wingbacks attacking, and which you can see with Alfonso Davies' goal worked right out of the offset. But unfortunately, um, it just wasn't good enough because eventually, I think after he made that that move or after we scored the goal, I think he should have just like gotten an extra mid in there or maybe a defender or somebody and just say, hey, just hug a little bit into the midfield and just make sure that the Croatians cannot get their rhythm going, disrupt the rhythm, uh, and, and just p- kind of play just chaos ball a little bit, you know, get a bit messy. So I didn't expect him to come into this game with just the same previous game plan he had against Belgium and then try the same thing against Croatia it just was naive. It really was naive for me. And I think he got away with one against Belgium. Um, contrary to what everybody says, and I know a lot of people were like kind of hyping up, oh, you know, the the Belgium game and all of that. Mm-mm. That Belgium game, I think on another day, on a very, very good day for uh, the Belgian side, they would have capitalized on all the opportunities and the spaces they were finding behind Achiba and uh, finding in front of uh, Miller and uh, um, uh, I can't remember, Johnston, and I can't remember the other uh, defender's uh, name. I forget off the top of my head. But I I felt that um, uh, the Belgian side didn't capitalize on those opportunities. And all of a sudden, with... um, uh, this uh, Canadian uh, the, the game against Croatia, I just felt that yes, the the Croatians will not be uh, will not have a bad day as the Belgians did, and it came to pass. It was almost prophetic. It, it exactly kind of the way we expected it to happen. It did happen. Uh, they overran the midfield, and that's how they got their opportunities, and that's how they 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 um, they were able to to score their goals. Cool. So that's uh, the update on Canada. There, once again, great job on Canada from from overall. Like the feeling uh, is uh, kudos to the Canadian national men's team uh, on maybe not a great not a great World Cup, but at least getting here and giving us some hope. I think next year, though, uh, not next year, next uh, World Cup in four in four years, I ex- I we expect uh, some improvement and we expect this team to come out a little bit better than it did um, this time, a little bit more experienced, uh, more tactically nuanced, um, and just an overall uh, better approach to how uh, we see the game. So great job there. Cool. And then we'll jump over to the next piece. Uh, We'll talk about um, some of the other games that uh, came up. So some some big, big games, uh, or just to kind of highlight, as the second match day is done, uh, we have seen France uh, uh, qualifying for the second round, Brazil qualifying for the second round, Portugal qualifying for the second round, which is amazing. 
these 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 uh, countries, it was how would I put it? It was kind of obvious that you were going to be seeing them there. Um, out of those three, France seems to be a little bit of the um, anomaly that everybody kind of weren't really looking at. Uh, we we obviously were looking at Spain. Um, and Spain, I think, was sort of our sort of go-to. But um, after the intense firecracker of a game, and um, like that game was just pure awesomeness uh, against Germany, um, the the uh, what you call it um, after that 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 firecracker of a game, I think in a way we're kind of starting to understand who are going to be standouts and what they're going to be capable of doing and such. So. I'm I'm curious to see what uh what is gonna come out of this uh final match days uh fixtures coming up. But France is through to the next round, Brazil is through to the next round, Portugal is through to the next round, which is crazy and amazing to see. Um and uh, uh we're still waiting for some other teams. Like we're waiting to see what is gonna happen, if these other teams are gonna make it or not. A lot of uh there's still some jeopardy around here. Uh, the only two teams that are out uh, so far is um, the Qatar. The Qatar's hosts are out of this World Cup, which is ugh, a little bit rough. I think they were the first team to, uh, uh, first host to get out of the World Cup after losing their first two games. Um, and then the, the next uh, side was Canada. So Canada is the next group uh, or next uh, country. Uh, to be exiting the World Cup. So those are the only two that we know of right now that are guaranteed they're going to be leaving, um, and only three that we know are moving over to the next round. So this World Cup, interestingly enough, is shaping to be a World Cup where there's excitement. Like, um, I'm coming in here. For me, excitement is goals. For me, excitement is good games, high IQ football matches, like the uh, Germany-Spain game, those those are games I want to see. If not, if there's gonna be errors soon, we want to see goals. And so far this World Cup, we've seen a lot of low IQ error strewn matches, but no goals, um, except for this second match day, uh, where all of a sudden, bang, goals galore. Um, and we want to start it off with the most recent one that we watched. Uh, uh, where it was Cameroon against uh, Serbia. This game, I was watching it. It was 1-0 for Cameroon. I was excited, and but I was tired because it was at 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, and then the next minute, uh, before you know it, Serbia equalized. And then after Serbia equalized, it became uh, uh, Serbia uh, went ahead 2-1. And at that point, I was just like, no, this is it. I can't watch another African team start off strong, score a goal, score a goal, and then lose. I'm turning this thing off. I'm going to bed. Boom. I turn it off. Lo and behold, I come back. Uh Uh-oh. Guess what? Abu Bakar, one of my favorite, favorite uh, African strikers right now, uh, came came on the pitch, was brought on by Rigo Bersong. And the next minute before I know it, it is 2-2. I mean, sorry, it's not not 2-2. I think it was 3-1. Um, and then they, they, the Cameroonians uh, came back uh, to from 3-2 to 3-3. Wow. wow. And this game was kind of marred a little bit with um, some controversy. So Andre Onana, the goalkeeper for uh, the Cameroonians, <laughs> 
he originally had a uh, he's a how do I put it? Andrea Nana is a very explosive character, and I think in the past he's run into some issues with some some uh, either the media in the past or whoever. I watched once Nyax where they interviewed him. And he said he doesn't simply give a shit what anybody thinks. He he just doesn't care. All that matter, all that, all that, all for him that matters is uh, he just wants to come in, uh, do his job, and if the coach gives him feedback, the coach gives him feedback. But he doesn't give a damn what the media think. And I thought that was awesome because yeah, who are you gonna listen to? You're gonna listen to the media, or you're gonna listen to the coach and the feedback that the coaches are giving you. So this is one of the the key moments where I was like, hmm, this is an interesting character. And it turns out that uh, he's he's a bit um, how do I put, put it, grimy or grifty with the uh, media, and it's it's a common trait that he's had with them. But anyway, the issue this time was. Um, he had an argument with Rigo Bear Song, and I don't know if you guys know who Rigo Bear Song is. Rigo Bear is uh, a Cameroonian legend, um, and he's the coach for the Cameroonian team. This guy has won, I think, how many multiple African Nations uh, Cup uh, trophies, um, and uh, just, just in my opinion, when when I watched him a lot, lot younger, uh, you know, as a kid. Um, just a, a phenomenal defender, very, very strong, very, very tough uh, defender. So he uh, uh, had an issue with Onana where he mentioned, he said, hey, well, I want a little bit of a more traditional goalkeeper. So as in a goalkeeper that hoofs it long whenever he gets the opportunity um, or goalkeeper that uh, doesn't come off his line and starts dictating the tempo from the middle of the pitch. Uh, and this is kind of in reference to the previous game where Onana was trying to make things happen. Maybe he was doing a little bit too much, and Rigobert did not like that. Anyway, they got into a rift, and uh, Onana says, hey, I'm not playing. That's it. I'm out of here. And Rigobert says, okay, that's it. Boop, that's it. You're out of the squad. And Onana has left the Cameroonian squad because he's gotten into it with the manager. Wow. Um what a what a crazy story and then now we have a backup goalkeeper filling in for him he didn't he did not look good the Cameroon goalie did not look good it was it was just such a, a odd thing to see that level of a goalkeeper there and I think if they had Onana maybe they would have won this game who knows I mean you know if shits uh if if what whatever it could be uh coulda woulda um so uh anyway the, the game ended in a blockbuster 3-3. Three, three. Um, and we saw that right after. So here I am having my puny sleep. And meanwhile, Ghana and South Korea are playing a bloodbath of a match. Uh, Ghana goes up 2-0, 2-2 two from the South Koreans, 3-2 from the 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 Ghanaians. And boom, what what a what a what a magnificent um uh, uh, comeback and and this and this came this uh, result came from one of the folks that we've criticized a lot in the past. Um, uh, Jordan Ayu had a decent or an okayish game, um, and it just blew me. And 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 the Ghanians, uh, in my opinion, really really stepped stepped things up. We're having an African renaissance in this World Cup, guys. Like. I am blown away by the results we're seeing. Morocco winning 2-0 against Belgium. 
I mean, I I was I called that Morocco was gonna get out of the group, but I'm surprised still to see that result pop up in such a way. Um, and then Ghana against South Korea, we didn't know what to expect. I expected maybe a draw, a board draw, one one zero zero. No, Ghana came out. They were like, hey. We are not going home until we get something out of this uh, cup, out of this World Cup. And you saw it. Like, as I said, like folks like Jordan Ayew that uh, I'm not, uh, I criticize a lot. This guy actually had a decent, an okay-ish game. Not the best game, but an okay-ish game. Um, and then we also had uh, Kudus stepped up again, once again, performing at the highest level, really carrying this team on his back and making sure that he gets the results required for them. And for South Korea, you got to feel a little bit hard done uh, for the for this uh, for this team, uh, considering all the potential, the talent that they have. Um, you know, they, they seem to play also good football. They don't seem to shy away and uh, and and and, and uh, sit back and wait for the see the initiative to the opponents. But you just got to feel for them. Unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, what a, what a day. Um, so three, three, two from the Ghanaian side, Cameroon, three, three with Serbia. Um, and then for more African teams, Morocco won two, nothing Senegal beat Qatar, uh, three, one. The only team that didn't seem to get a result or a point was Tunisia and Tunisia. Um, I watched this game. Oh my goodness. Early in the morning again, 3am watched it. And uh, saw the Australian goal, and I had to pass out. This game just for me wasn't it. Like lots of running, lots of adventure, lots of fight, but no quality. And I believe this is one of the big things killing this tournament is the lack of quality. And you can say yes, they didn't have enough time to prepare, whatever. But it's not even that. People can mention systems. People can mention. Some of the times, it's just simple things. Like a simple thing is pass the ball back for a reset. Give it to the, you know, uh, give it to the most obvious guy. Give it to the most obvious, uh, what is the most obvious play? This tournament has been bereft of that, and it's really been quite frustrating. And you've seen it from even good players uh, where it's like, okay, that's not a system issue. That's just you choosing not to play the right play like or making the wrong decision at that time. So this World Cup so far has really been bereft of a, a lot of quality. Like it's not been as good as we would like it to be. But has it been exciting? That's the question. I would say some of the zero zeros, no, have not been exciting. And I, I will highly stand by that. But I think with the way the tournament now is shaping up, going into this final um, match match day uh, of fixtures before the uh, next round pops up, I expect to see some excitement because of the way the games are shaped up. Those nil-nil draws are, in a way, paying off. Those are investments that were made a little bit early and they're being paid. They're paying off. But anyway. Oh, on to back to the African side of things. The 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 our African teams ha- have ended up uh, pulling up. They're they're doing their best. They're fighting, um, and you're seeing some of these key results pop up. Um, you're seeing the passion being shown. The Moroccan game was wild. Uh, the passion shown in that match um, against Belgium. Um, you're seeing the aggression, uh, the speed, the need to want to win. Like this, these guys are no longer going into these games. 
and kicking back, sitting back, trying to play for a result. They've they've done that in the first match, match day. Um, and now this time they're just saying, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go all the way for this. Like we really are gonna give ourselves um uh what you call it, uh something to fight for. We're not gonna lay down back and go into the next round without anything. And these games are starting to show that, and I'm I'm very very impressed. I'm very very excited and very very happy for what these next, next games are going to be. Tomorrow we're going to get Senegal against Ecuador. That's going to be a firecracker of a game. Um, I can't wait to watch that. I can't wait to to show Senegal our support and see what they can do because Senegal, um, I think if they can get the opportunity to get to the next round, um, I think that. Uh, uh, they could be they could be a force for anybody, but that Ecuador team that Ecuadorian team is quite good. I'm not gonna lie, they're they're the way they play the Dutch. <sighs> yeah, I'm a bit worried, but still, pray for Senegal. Uh, hopefully, we can see some some great results from them the next uh, for uh, tomorrow morning. Um, all right, so great results, like you know. So once again. Uh, and and uh, kind of kind of jumping into some of the things I said even last pod, I take back like uh, I don't want to take back anything until until the the third round or the third match day uh, has gone for these teams, and but I, I'm I'm tempted to take back some of those things like I've I've gone into this uh, tournament bashing some of the African nations and when they have been asking like hey we want more teams in this World Cup and more of outside I say hey look. You know, you guys aren't performing. Why would we? Why would? Why would you get more? So, I hope we can perform better. I really do. I pray that we can perform better. That's one of my biggest things. I would love to see that. Um, and, you know, cross fingers, close your eyes, whatever you gotta do. Uh, but I, I just don't know. We'll have to see how these these uh, next rounds run up. Um, Ghana has. Uh, uh, Ghana has um, oh geez I'm drawing a blank here oh yeah Ghana has Uruguay which is gonna be firecracker <laughs> a rematch of the 2010 World Cup uh, quarterfinals between Ghana against uh, Uruguay and I don't know if any of you guys remember that but that Luis Suarez I don't know what you call it hand of whatever um, that's the rematch with that. Luis Suarez is still around. Asamoa Gian, unfortunately, isn't with the Ghanaian team right now. But that would have made for an epic storyline uh, going into the next game. It's already kind of epic, you know, to, to see what is happening. And especially with Ghana winning this game, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Um, and then the other the other side of things is uh, uh, what you call it. Um, you've got Morocco who will be facing Canada, which that will be interesting on its own. I think Morocco has that in the bag. They can get the tie. They can get the win. I expect Morocco to come out of that with something. Um, and then going into the the um, Cameroon, Cameroon, unfortunately, I really think these guys are out of this tournament. Um, they're going to be facing Brazil, and uh, I I just don't know. But Cameroon has a lot of zest. They have a lot of fight in them. Uh, watching them in the qualifiers, this team likes to play. They want to play football. They want to play the right way. They want to push. They want to be aggressive. They want to attack you. They're kind of like a Ghana, but just I feel that they're a little bit, um, not not wilder, but a little bit more, um, yeah, I should say they're a little bit more wilder. Um, so 
The only thing I'm going to say is uh, uh, Rigobert's song, I think, is my only concern on how he's coaching this group. Like, considering three goals, and all of a sudden, uh, yeah, we, you know, Cameroon scored three, but unfortunately, like, why did they concede three? If they had kept it to one at least, they would have been up, and that game, you know, all they just need from the Brazilians is just a point to give them a decent shot to go through the next round. So, uh, we kind of Cameron kind of shot themselves in the foot on 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 this one, um, but then going over to the next uh, uh, group here, uh, you're gonna be seeing um, Senegal play against Ecuador. That's a, a, a game in his own, as I said. So we are waiting to see. So when it comes to the African teams and coming to what, um, how would I put it? When it comes down to, uh. It, it, can can like can we show something? Can we show the world that we actually can do something in a World Cup? I just will love it. I really love to see at least two African countries go over to the next round. I hope maybe like I I I hope it will be more, but at least two. Um, but right now, I think out of all of them, Morocco is the most likely, and potentially Ghana is the next. Uh, uh, likely uh, group uh, team from Africa that could make it because that Uruguayan side, I know I picked them as my dark horse. They're not looking very good, and I think they can be got at, or you can get a point against them. So it's only a matter of uh, you know. I think Ghana just need secure the draw, secure the draw. That's all they need. Um, and you know, regardless if Portugal and uh, lose to South Korea, we'll see. But I think over head-to-head, Ghana has the head-to-head over South Korea. So a draw is all we need, but we'll see how that game goes on a final match day. Very, very exciting games to come up. So uh, kudos, kudos to the Ghanaian side. All right, going on over to the next piece here. So we're going to talk about some of the big games. So we mentioned France. Had gone or some of the teams I've gone through, France had gone through. I'm not going to cover too much on France, Denmark. Um, overall, I think this is sort of um, France is really shaping up to be a powerhouse, but at the same time, they still are leaving me curious about them. Um, I think yes, they scored, but they've also conceded some goals that I didn't expect them to concede. Um, and then I guess the opposition that I was like, hmm. You know, why did you guys concede that, or, uh, or or the way they played, or the the way they let that goal in? I I don't know. So the the French team a little bit. Um, I think they need a couple more games to fully get into rhythm. And and make no mistake, this French team is so talented they can take this uh, tournament by storm and do anything they really, in my opinion, want to do. They have the talent. Uh, Mbappe seems this is starting to look like Mbappe's tournament now. Um, so I'm, 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 I think, I think the, the, the French are, are going to grow from strength to strength, but for now, I'm not putting too much on them just yet. On the other hand, uh, we've got Brazil who's gone through, um, this, this is my pick. This is my pick to win the world cup. Um, and I think they have, they have just what it takes. I think after watching the Switzerland game, and if any person watched that game, the Swiss defended like dogs. They were dogged from start to finish. Very, very uh, uh, solid at the back. No penetration whatsoever. They moved very well. Um, 
and uh, as a unit. So very well in transition, defensive transition, they covered the space. Offensive, offensively, when they had to support, they supported. They picked their moments to even press. Like I was like, oh, the Swiss team is pressing. Um, they just had the right uh, approach uh, overall to, to their game plan, and they seemed to be executing it. Except for a moment of brilliance from Casimiro. And this is the thing with this team. Look, Casimiro in general, a lot of people underestimating, you know, oh, he's just a hitman. He hacks or hackman. He, you touch the ball, and what does he do? He hacks your leg. He takes you out. He does sorts of things to you. And, and you, can't, you cannot uh, uh, play the way you want to play if Casimiro is playing. Well, guess what? He's also very good on the ball with his feet. He knows how to move the ball well. He knows how to find his teammates. Um, yes, there's sometimes when he has some low IQ moments uh, with some error strewn or straight passes or even execution-wise, you're just like, oh, Casimiro, what are you doing? Um, but overall, as a full-on, full-on um, uh, uh, professional uh, athlete, he has, he has the tools in his locker, man. Casimiro was phenomenal all throughout the game. Um, the one thing, and I and and I think this this not just this game. I think previous game too as well. He was he was just as good. Only thing was um, he didn't get the uh, uh, what they call it uh, the uh, uh, I mean the the goals to kind of back up how good he he performed last game. But I think a lot of the talk was surrounding Neymar. So Neymar, the announcement has come up. That he will not be able to make uh, the rest of the group group games, but then after the group games, uh, he should he should be healed up and ready to go for the next um, uh, round of matches. So um, a lot of work there for Neymar to do to get back in shape and uh, be able to to make it out to this um, next round of matches. Um, did Rodrigo feel in well? Or Paqueta? No. So let's start off with Paqueta. No, Paqueta for starters, he didn't. He didn't. He did not feel the role very well. In fact, uh, Paqueta. I, I don't know why Chiche went for um, for Paqueta. I think he would have been best served maybe to play Paqueta as a number eight, as he did before, and utilize Rodrigo as his ten. Um, but rather, we saw Fred come in, and uh, I don't know Fred. Yeah, Fred is just not it, man. Um, I I really, he's not bad, but <laughs> but at the same time, uh, I mean, he can be very bad sometimes. But he's not great either. I think uh, Chicha should have been much more welcoming of the idea of Paqueta played in the number eight role, um, and which I think Paqueta did it as well. Uh, but I think yeah, he should have he should have been much more confident him playing in the number eight role and having uh, what you call it um, uh, uh, Rodrigo step in as the number ten. And I think in the second half when Paqueta got taken off, Rodrigo got brought in. You saw a whole different Brazil, the, the Brazil that we expect. They were pushing, they were trying, but at the same time, same same time though, the Swiss woke up too. So they were pushing, they were trying, they were giving their best, um, and they started to really, really get at 
uh, that Brazilian side in a way that I, I haven't seen, obviously, from the Serbian game and so far this uh, World Cup. So, once again, Brazilians managed to stand the test. But the one other thing too as well, contrary to what people will say, people say hey, Neymar's injury is uh, horrible and it's not very good. Uh, there's an issue there. Yes, I agree. But I think the bigger problem is the injury. Um, was it uh, Pereira um, uh, uh, or, or Sandro? Sorry, uh, either Sandro. I believe it was Alexandro. I was going to say Alex Pereira. But yeah, so um, the uh, Sandro's injury, I believe, um, is the the um, the big issue here. Uh, the the Brazilians lacked width. And it lacked um, the threatening uh, the capabilities of having an extra man out wide uh, to support uh, what they were doing. And I think this is something that Chicha has to address. My greatest concern for this Brazilian team has never been the forward, the attacking, the setup uh, offensively. My greatest issue for this team is the defensive setup. And then having Militao drop in as a right back they had nothing. The Rafinha as a winger was just isolated. He, he could do whatever he wanted. The defender just needed to keep him in front of him, and that was it. He was absolutely isolated. But if he had a, uh, a willing runner, if Militao was a willing runner, somebody who could you know, jump in and um, support offensively, then sure, that's not, a, that's not a bad thing. Oh, shoot, I just realized uh, it's not Alexandro that's injured. My bad. Uh, Alexandro was the one who was playing today. It was Danilo. Um, that got uh, the injury. So Danilo's who they're missing. So I was expecting, like, if, uh, you know, if you have um, an issue with, uh, uh, what you call it? Um, uh, uh, oh, geez, I'm drawing a blank now. Um, yeah, sorry, uh, Militao. If, if Militao cannot push or he cannot give you that extra width, what is the point? And I get it, you know, you have to manage the game, yada, yada, yada. But the Swiss weren't really giving a lot um, at the early stages of the game. Um, so I, I, I was hoping uh, that Chicha would make the right move and, um, you know, get uh, um, somebody who's willing as a right back to support. Like, it's crazy, Brazil of all places, uh, I, with all the talent that they've got, they don't have a multitude and depth in the fullback region. Or they just don't want to pick him. Maybe Renan Lodi was another one, but I know he's gone to North um, uh, Nottingham Forest, so maybe he doesn't want him because of that and he's fallen off a cliff. I still think Renan Lodi has something to give. Maybe Emerson Royale. Why didn't Emerson Royale get picked? Why is Danny Elvis over Emerson Royale? Um, surely Emerson can give you something going forward. Um and then uh fullback there's I think there's also Ryan Nildo, uh Ryan Nildo from um Atletico, um I'm I'm sure he's Brazilian maybe I have to do my homework on that but I'm sure he's Brazilian why isn't those options I just think that Brazil can find fullbacks that can give something because they're looking very light in that area and that's one area of concern that I was very worried about and so far it's kind of red his ugly head but. Um, the Brazilians seem to have uh, coped with that. Cool. All right. And then um, on to the next. So we're going to chat real quick about Portugal. So Portugal beats Uruguay 2-0. Two nil, two nil. 
Ruby Gray once again. My dark horse is not looking very good. Um, well, one of my dark horses is not looking very good for them. Uh, this game was rough um, for, for a bit. Lots of running, lots of movement from the Portuguese side, but not they couldn't find a finishing touch in the final third. Um, when you get to the Uruguayan side, oh man, this Uruguayan side, lots of talent. Fred, Fred, uh, uh, Fred Valverde, somebody who I'm very, uh, or Federico Valverde, somebody who I'm very, very excited about this tournament. Doesn't seem like anything is working out for him. Darwin Nunes is playing as a left winger. Um, just so he can cut inside and shoot, but he's not getting the ball in areas where he can do that. Or anytime he's in those areas, there's nobody <laughs> to support him. So it just looks off. Um, and then uh, they have Cavani striking. Yes, Cavani's moving in the box is great, but who's feeding him anything in the box? <laughs> Luis Suarez coming off the bench. All sorts of stuff. Varela, I think, who's a fullback, is playing as a right winger, sort of Facundo Palestri. Uh, yeah, the Uruguayans just look bad, guys. Like, they just don't look good. But they have a strong midfield. Vecino in the midfield, Bentacor in the midfield. Bentacor played a blights out in this match. Uh, Valverde is also in the midfield. But he's not seen nothing. There's nothing. They have an aging back line. They have... Uh, an an inexperienced um, uh, midfield uh, uh, and sort of like wing, uh, wing play, they just don't have it. Um, and and after this watching this game, uh, that Ghanaian game, I really think Ghana could can get them get at them. I don't know if this is what's gonna happen, but I think Ghana can get at them. So. Curious to see how that pans out uh, for the Uruguayan side. But for the Portuguese side, I think that the Portuguese side managed this game well. They struggled to get the the, the goals and uh, maybe to close off this match a bit earlier. What you expect from a Uruguayan side is a bit dogged. Even though they're not still very great, they're still... Uh, that's the identity. Um, and then you, you go through all of that. Uh, the The Portuguese side, in my opinion... Manage it as best they could. My only my only concern is with uh, Fernando Santos. I think like does he have the cojones or the bravado to uh, to go aggressive and to push the game when things are not really working out the way he wants them to work out. So that's that's something that we could potentially see throughout this uh, tournament. Um, I mean, we've kind of already seen it with the Ghana game, but that was I think. Just the individuals finally clicking, but um, so far in this game, I feel that uh, I feel that uh, Fernando needs to be a little bit. More, uh, <laughs> he's never gonna change, but I feel like I feel like he needs to be a bit more aggressive, and he needs to push things a little bit more. Because going into that next round, I have a feeling there's gonna be a lot of teams that really give Portugal a run for his money. But I feel that Portugal will still make that. Uh, I feel like this game kind of resolidified the idea that you would see we could we could potentially see Portugal in the semifinal this World Cup. Um, they've just been so solid. They've just been so um, uh, right up there. They've been um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Off- they they have the offensive strength when 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 they can. Uh, defensively, they were sh- they were dodgy, but 
we saw Danilo Pereira get out of there. We have, oh, maybe that's why I was calling, uh, you know, Pereira in uh, the Brazilian team. Anyway, Danilo Pereira um, was uh, taken off for Pepe, which I think should have been the case um, a while ago. But, um, you know, the, the, the manager chooses what he wants to do. And uh, we also have uh, some changes with Nuno Mendes. Uh, coming in uh, for Rafael Guerrero, which was a big change. Um, so overall, we saw some some of those key changes made there. Um, I think in midfield, um, we lost Otavio, which was great because Otavio, in my opinion, wasn't doing great um, uh, and didn't have a lot of meaningful plays to offer or offensive firepower to offer that Portuguese side, but they traded Otavio for William Carvalho, which is defensive, but I think that worked out well because William played as a machine in that midfield. So lots of good uh, quality of life changes. I, I still think the attack is hampered by Ronaldo. I think Ronaldo as the forward uh, on that team really doesn't offer anything. He's being carried. Uh, and, and if that's the way... Uh, um, what's his name? Fernando wants to do it. Mr. Santos wants to do it. Then by all means, he can run it the way he wants to. But um, I think he can. I still think that uh, um, he can make some key changes, and that will give this Portuguese side the best chance to go all the way this tournament. Cool. All right. So we've covered most of the big things I want to cover. Uh, we're going to see some of the best for uh, our our session with Victor. Uh, we'll be chatting with Victor on Germany versus Spain, uh, England versus United States, and Argentina versus Mexico. But real quick, some of the key things I want to call out here, um, uh, especially uh, the England game, Southgate, this guy strikes again. Uh, but before I really kind of enter into a, a rant of why maybe he should be playing Foden or why he shouldn't be, I've got to say... As much as this is, um, a, how do I put it? The approach to that game against the United States wasn't great. I'm gonna say that um, he, the the the, this was sort of the right. Re I mean, we got the result, and I think that this was the right approach, regardless of what myself or any other person thinks. And as much as I did, I thought about this. I after watching this game and over having the three, four days to sit down and think it through, Southgate has gotten these guys in prime position, getting ready to get to the next um uh next round. And you're looking at a team that is coming in now, very experienced. They came from the Euros, they tied their their game against Scotland. It reminds me of the Scotland game. Tied the game against Scotland. And, um, yeah, they just seem to know how to get the results that they need. That United States game was starting to get out of hand. There was a point where it was just like, it's only a matter of time before the USA puts one into the net. But seeing the way Salke reacted, now, how would I react? I would say, oh, you know what? I need an extra attacker. Why would I have Foden, the greatest English player since Paul Gascoigne, why would I have him sitting on the bench? Let me bring him in. But when I look back at it, it's not really the right decision. Your your midfield isn't getting a grip of the game. And then you somehow find a way to shoehorn Grealish, uh, not Grealish, um, uh, Phil Foden, uh, 
uh, in there for whatever reason. Or maybe you, you start saying, hey, I want to be much more aggressive. I want to attack. We want to push forward. Is that the right decision? And then on the other hand, um, yes, Phil Foden, I think, regardless of how I think and regardless of what Southgate thinks, should be playing in this game. He he can play in the position where Mount plays as an inside forward or attacking mid. He can do that. Um, he can give that role to, to Foden to play, uh, but I don't know. Or maybe even Trent to, to unlock the, the defense from that deep. But even at that, would that be the right choice? Right, um, should we should we should we trade flair for industry? Uh, I mean, sh- oh, sorry, should we trade industry for flair? Um, in a moment where you're struggling to get a grip of the football match, and maybe the right thing to do is just you know stem the bleeding in there, plug in one of the holes, get an extra body in, and just sort of lock it down. And then if if anything happens, happens. Most likely, you have a 75% shot of a draw than um, if you got in an attacking midfielder and then, let me say, the chances are, what, 25% of a, for a draw and uh, 30% chance of a win and then the rest is 50% uh, that you could lose. So those are kind of the odds I feel like uh, Southgate was playing at that, at that time. And as I said, as the dust has settled, if you talked to me three, four days ago i would have been flipping out and saying what a useless manager he absolutely is uh but when i think it through over the long term hmm you know what boring game it looks like usa were trying to get their grips on it we're gonna lock it down and more power to him all right so that's my my thoughts on that um on the other side argentina beat mexico 2-0 uh in a big, big game. It wasn't the funnest game until Messi seemed to do what Messi does. Um, we already covered Tunisia losing. The Dutch tied Ecuador. Uh, this is another thing too as well. South American teams seem to be picking it up. So very, very interesting. Very, very interesting going to the last day. But Ecuador really looks the best team out of this group, which is crazy. Um, that Ecuador side is filled with power, vigor, strength. You just can't shake them off the ball. Um, and their their um, uh, their their aggressiveness and how strong they are, like you just cannot do anything to this side. They they all, and also they're quite technical, so they just have a good mix and a good blend. Um, I really like that Ecuadorian side. I really hope they don't knock out Senegal tomorrow, but it's what it is. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, still rooting for our Senegalese Senegalese uh, side. But the the South Americans really really are are picking it up. You've seen the the Ecuador side basically looking like they may make it. Argentina, yeah, they had a blip against the Saudis. They seem to have caught their bearings now. Um, and you've got uh, uh, what they call it. Um, oh geez, I'm drawing a blank here. Uruguay is kind of the only guys that are really struggling uh, from what I can see. And uh, which other team? Why am I? Losing, I feel like there's a fourth um, South American team that I cannot uh, pluck out of my brain right now. Oh yeah, Brazil, obviously. Jeez, why am I not thinking of them as a South American team? Oh yeah, Brazil, my favorites to win the whole thing. So, very, very um, uh, looks like uh, the the South Americans really are coming in hot. Uruguay may not make it, Argentina may not make it, but I feel like Ecuador, Brazil, 
has that in the bag. Um, funny enough, we're saying Argentina might not make it. That Polish side, I know a lot of people looked at them and were like, eh, they don't really have anything in their locker. Man, they're tall, big, and strong. Um, and if there's anything, I think that they they want to get out of this group winning this game, if anything. So we'll see how things go. We'll see how the, the Polish uh, end up standing out. But overall, overall, uh, great, great second, second match day uh, for the FIFA World Cup uh, in Qatar. Um, yeah, I think that is mostly it. The, the last piece I want to bring up as we chat about manager mistakes. So manager mistakes. So we called this out last episode. I want to call it out again. It seems like we're seeing a lot more manager mistakes in this World Cup than any. Um, for example, Japan. Japan lost this game on a stupendous mistake from their coach, making five wholesale changes. I mean, did he disrespect Costa Rica? Why was he doing this? What was the reason? What was the what? What made him feel like, hey, I need to take out five of my key players <laughs> and rest them for who? He's resting them for Spain. He thought Costa. Rica. Oh my gosh! Anyway, um, yeah, it 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 backfired big time. Backfired big time. Uh, Costa Rica took advantage of one of the weirdest goals that you've ever seen. Uh, the the way the goalie reacted was very Sunday league, so it uh, didn't look too good. Um, but then also from the other side, obviously Canada being naive against the triple threat of the Croatians, uh, just not it. Um, and then you also have, um, in my opinion, uh, uh, um, well, obviously you have the Belgian uh, Belgian one where they're playing Hazard. Like, come on, there's Trossard in there. Why don't you play him? Um, and also, this was the other kid. Uh, I think is the Catalere. Why is he not playing? Uh, I don't know. The disrespect to uh, uh, Italian sides, especially AC Milan, this uh, World Cup has been yeah, has been nauseating. Um, and then you also got England. Well, England against the United States. You literally have Foden, as I said. Foden, you gotta have him starting. You've got um, what's his name putting disaster class after disaster class after disaster class, but he's still starting ahead of Foden. Why does Mason Mount start? Why? Like I know I'm I I you know I said I'm not gonna pick on uh, what's his name. I'm not gonna pick on um, Southgate this time, and I get where what he was trying to do, yada yada yada. But why is it Phil Foden starting? I don't have even I've tried to create a logical explanation as to why this is the case it doesn't make sense to me it really doesn't but anyway that's uh on its own and then you also got other tactical issues like usa uh greg berhalter why aren't we seeing joe reyna play what is going on there um and uh yeah uh i mentioned i think portugal brazil itself too as well like why is Fred playing? I mean, hey, look, it's easy for us to criticize you or to say anything like this. But at the end of the day, managers really have to get it right. I feel like this World Cup has been a World Cup of tactical disasters. And whether it's tactical with formation or the personnel, yeah, this World Cup is just filled with that. So um, it, I, I hope a lot of managers really clean themselves up going into the next uh, round of fixtures because uh, or next match day because it can't keep happening like this. 
anyway, um, we'll see if we can get the part two going on uh, tomorrow. Record with Vic. Uh, get uh, get the part two on. Um, but in the meantime, guys, I want to say thank you so much for listening. Uh, and uh, if we do come up with a part two, stay tuned. We'll be adding that uh, tomorrow. Thank you.